Welcome to Recovery Stories Have Power, a Faces and Voices of Recovery podcast. My name is Chelsea Cusimano. In season one, we're exploring the topic of harm reduction. We've interviewed several guests and experts from key areas of the harm reduction community to discuss the history of the movement, its grassroots origins and fighting the AIDS epidemic, the perspectives of advocates and workers bringing harm reduction practices to their communities, and the relationship between harm reduction and recovery. To set the table for these season one conversations, co-host Oliver Books and I sat down with Faces and Voices of Recovery COO, Phil Rutherford. We discuss our personal introductions to harm reduction, the relationship Faces and Voices has with the movement, and why harm reduction is a timely and important topic to explore in today's recovery landscape. Uh, Hey everyone, welcome to Recovery Stories Have Power. Uh, a Faces and Voices of Recovery podcast. My name's Oliver Books, and I am joined with... I'm Chelsea Cusimano. My name's Phil Rutherford. I'm the Chief Operating Officer at Faces and Voices of Recovery. As, as COO, I manage the day-to-day operations of the organization. I have a direct hand in public affairs, marketing, information technology, and operations. And today we are going to be talking a little bit about uh, the topic for season one of the podcast, which is going to focus on harm reduction. Um, We've got a bunch of cool interviews lined up with people from uh, different areas of the uh, continuum of care as it relates to harm reduction um, and recovery. Um, And we'll be talking about the tension between those two camps, historical, present day, um, but also we wanted to contextualize how faces and voices of recovery views harm reduction, how we connect where there's that overlap, and then like where we sort of like hope to go from here. Um, so let's start off just by kicking it over to Phil. Um, Phil, you've you're the expert of Faces and Voices of Recovery and recovery in general <laughs> for the purposes of this episode. Um, so um, can you tell us a little bit about, um, let's let's start with present day. What is like present day Faces and Voices stance on harm reduction? Um, well, it's, and it's interesting that you phrase the question that way, um, our stance on harm reduction. I will say that most importantly, our stance on harm reduction is irrelevant. Harm reduction exists because it has to, much like much like recovery community organizations started existing because they had to, because people saw others in their community not getting the support that they needed. That's where harm reduction comes from. It comes from an unmet need. So I think it is pleasant, and I support the fact that our organization embraces harm reduction and wants to do everything that we can to support it, but we don't actually really have a stance on a thing that has to exist because our systems of care uh, are not meeting the needs of people with substance use disorder. I love the way that you put that. I think that's so interesting. Um, and I just, obviously, I completely agree. I'm very glad that harm reduction has like come out of the community in order to meet that unmet need. Um, something that that brought up for me and that I would be curious about um, is I know that 
again, I alluded to sometimes historically there has been a tension between um, the recovery camp and the harm reduction camp. And so I wanted to just like make this personal, if both of you don't mind, like um, what is... uh, did you come around to the idea of harm reduction? Did you start off in that camp and then migrate over to recovery or vice versa? How did that like sort of um, embrace of harm reduction go for both of you and your, your personal journeys? Um, Oliver, do you want to start? Sure. Um, I was introduced to harm reduction in the, uh, you know, the festival circuit, the, there was these camping music events a friend of mine at the time was testing people's LSD, make sure it wasn't at that time. It was like a bunch of research chemicals with, with letters and numbers for names. And that's, that's how I was uh, made aware of the concept of it. And then I entered what, what I call my recovery now. And uh, having seen it work so well in, in those contexts, I've personally never had a, had an issue with it. I've, I think it's incredibly helpful to Phil's point earlier. It's, it's, it's absolutely necessary and it's going to be there whether folks support it or not, because you can't get rid of it. Um, But I think now just that, that sort of uh, advocating for the distribution of, of resources uh, is, is something that we can do. And I, I hope to do through, through this podcast as well, just shining a light. Yeah, if only if I if only I were as non-judgmental as Oliver, um, and I had come to this place with as much openness. What happened to me is that I found my own personal recovery in a very sort of um, a very narrow pathway. I found a, a very specific set of instructions, um, and to be clear, my life was in flames. Um, I found this set of instructions and and this approach, and it worked very well for me and and basically turned my life around. Um, And like uh, a good cult member, I immediately rejected any other notion of how of other ways for people to to get well. Um, uh, Luckily, in that process, um, I arrived on the shores of recovery, uh, a person that used tobacco. And I decided in, in early recovery that I was going to stop using tobacco. And, and, I, and first of all, the terms that I'm using now, that's not what I said. I said, I'm going to quit smoking. So I quit smoking. Uh, and the way that I, the method that was suggested to me was to use nicotine gum. And, um, I, it was very successful. I used it. I used it. Probably used it longer than the instruction said, but I used it for for a while, and and I haven't smoked a cigarette since. And I was in one of these recovery gatherings one time, smarting off about something that I probably knew nothing about. And uh, after the meeting, a gentleman quietly approached me and said, um, "He said, hey." I, I feel like you quit smoking a while back. I said, yeah, yeah. He's like, well, how'd you do that? And I said, well, I, I used, I used nicotine gum. And he said, so I just want to, I just want to make clear you used a drug to stop using a drug and you have something to say about harm reduction. And it just kind of like something about that just did sort of, it made sense to me. Um, and the, you know, 
uh, like I said, I think very open-minded folks can come to this conclusion um, of their own volition. For me, it was a swift kick in the butt. Um, and I was like, oh yeah, okay, that works. Um, and this is before, this is before sort of all of the, uh, sort of public attention to, uh, opioid use disorder and what's happening with that. But the, the, the lesson is the same. The lesson is that number one, whatever can help a person sustain, uh, a better quality of life is probably a good thing. In my case, I wanted to have a better quality of life by not smoking. So I used Nick, I used the drug nicotine that I was addicted to, to reduce my tolerance to the drug nicotine. I slowly but surely used less of it. Um, and no one did a whole bunch of judgment on that. No one, I, I was surrounded by open-minded people who did not shame or belittle me for using a drug to stop using a drug. And, and I owe that to anyone that is is using that form of harm reduction and that's not the only kind there's a way it's multifaceted but that particular story sticks out to me as a um sort of a shining example of how people can get it wrong and then get it right this week's episode of recovery stories have power is sponsored by us at faces and voices of recovery we want to wish you a happy recovery month Each September, Recovery Month works to promote and support new evidence-based treatment and recovery practices, the emergence of a strong and proud recovery community, and the dedication of service providers and community members across the nation who make recovery in all its forms possible. Head to recoverymonth.net to find out more about Recovery Month and look up events near you. International Recovery Day connects the dots between all folks in recovery from all recovery pathways all around the world and all in one day that's on september 30th leave your mark on the recovery globe at internationalrecoveryday.org and coinciding with international recovery day is the mobilize recovery day of service also on september 30th take action Plan an event or attend one near you that helps give back and strengthen your community. Find out more at recoverydayofservice.org. So as you transition from like a personal recovery space into this professional place that is your role at Faces and Voices of Recovery, how have you seen both the 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 faces and voices outlook on what harm reduction maybe looks like or is uh, grow and transform and how also, have you seen the, the the public's eye on that kind of shift? Yeah, and I I think that so faces and voices, I think for a long time was simply silent on this. One of the things I noticed about the broader recovery movement uh, upon upon getting involved in it at a national level was that there there is or there was a fairly significant rift between people who practiced abstinence-based recovery and people who practice um, harm reduction or other, other pathways. So the sort of the, the subtext was we respect all pathways to recovery as long as they are abstinence-based, um, which, you know, that that's at least what, that's what I observed. No one said that. Okay. I want to be clear. It's not written down. There's no secret faces and voices file 203 that says that's what we, (laughs) that's what we do. That's just sort of my observation. And I'd be remiss if I didn't, 
if I didn't identify some of the, the, the differences I saw in terms of sort of abstinence-based recovery and, and harm reduction-based recovery, um, there, there are tones of race in it. There are tones specifically in, in the way that I heard it described in, in some parts of the country. Um, there's an absolute division between, between black and white in those spaces, right? So typically in the Northeast, I was seeing a lot of black harm reduction and a lot of white abstinence-based recovery. Um, and this, this session isn't long enough to, to sort of (laughs) deconstruct that, but, but there's something there and it's not, it, 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 it would not be, um, I would not be keep I would not be keeping it real if I didn't if I didn't point that out. I think what happened with us specifically at Faces and Voices was more of just a, a sudden awareness um, that you know as the as the overdose numbers kept climbing, we someone needed to do something. Um, and and the thing is, it's not harm reduction is not just about keeping people alive, right? There 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 are all there are all sorts of they're all segments of a continuum of harm reduction. Yes, it's hard to find recovery or even a life change if you're dead. That's kind of the part of the deal of being dead is you can't have life changes while you're dead. But I, th- I see that as like sometimes I hear people talk about I hear people in the abstinence community talk about harm reduction is, well, yeah, it's better than people being dead. And I probably had that sentiment before I understood fully what harm reduction meant. But it's not just that, it's that and. It's, yes, we want people not to die from, uh, from drug poisoning. And I said overdose, I, I mean drug poisoning. Um, but we also want to help people in, improve the quality of their life. And, and I've, I've been blessed with the opportunity to, to meet all sorts of people all over the country that are living fabulous lives um, in all different phases of, of a harm reduction methodology. And that's great. And, and, and I think that it's important that we think about it in those terms. So um, I remember, I want to say it was, t- I think it was the first time SAMHSA actually used the phrase harm reduction in a seminar. Um, and I got on there and said, I said the phrase harm reduction is recovery. I said, it faces and voices, harm reduction is recovery and recovery is harm reduction. And I instantly got two different groups of people mad at me. I got the harm reduction folks mad at me because they don't like being sort of described as recovery if they haven't chosen that. And then I got the abstinence people mad at me for for saying that harm reduction was somehow included, which like, first of all, who the hell am I? But but nonetheless, um, that it made it clear to me that day that there was plenty of work to be done on both sides. There's still folks in the harm reduction community that are right, rightfully suspect of uh, the recovery community's motives around harm reduction. Um, because six years ago, we were talking about, you know, them not actually being uh, on a recovery path because they used methadone, right? So it's, so it's, it's not, they, 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 those folks have some right to have distrust of us um, in, in, this, in this particular community. And that's okay. I think what's important to me is that people live a good purpose. And what whatever that looks like, and I, I think as I age, and as I see more and more, um, it's clear to me that I don't. It, as I see more and more, it's clear to me that I know less and less. Yeah, I loved what you said there, Phil, because it's about like 
um, both, I would say, like recovery and harm reduction are about so much more than surviving. They're about thriving, right? And like reclaiming your life. And I think it's pretty fair to say that like um, both, no matter what type of pathway you're on or what label um, fits for you, like those changes in a person's life happen incrementally. It's not an overnight transformation. Phil, thanks so much for coming on the show and talking to us. For everyone listening at home, we'll see you next time. Thank you for listening to Recovery Stories Have Power, a Faces and Voices of Recovery podcast. The show is produced by me, Chelsea Cusimano. And me, Oliver Books. Special thanks to our friend Chris Tate from Passenger Recovery for use of this intro and outro music. And Chris Aram for podcast website design. Editing and sound engineering also by Oliver Books. New episodes air every Thursday in September and every other Thursday after that. If you enjoyed this episode, please rate and review the show so that other listeners can find our podcast. If you have feedback on the show or want to get in touch with us, please email us at podcast at facesandvoicesofrecovery.org or visit our website at pod.facesandvoicesofrecovery.org. Thank you for listening. We'll see you next time.